go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday on this June the 27th in the year of our Lord of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker and with us is Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi Wes. Hi Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing really fine. We had a day of sun yesterday. But as soon as I started going to those congregations out your way, it was torrential rain. Rain. <laughs> yeah, we got a little of that up here, too. And, of course, you know, I'm not able to drive for a little while, so my wife was driving. I'm going oh, to boy. hire her. Any farmer that has a drought, she'll come driving in that area, and it'll rain. <laughs> You think so, huh? I really think so, boy, oh boy. Well, we've got an interesting topic for today. Uh, you alerted it to me about, and maybe just summarize this to start with, a uh, Roman Catholic high school was having a uh, homosexual teacher who's married, and they are firing the person, and if they don't, then the Roman Catholic Church is going to take them off of the list of Roman Catholic schools. Another school also has a problem, and they're not going to fire that person. I think that's a great summary right there. So You are correct. You, you want to know why, huh? Why what? Why the one refused. Oh, yeah, why did the one refuse? Well, they consider themselves part of the the Jesuit order and consider themselves only answerable to the Pope, is the quick way of putting it. Yes. The Jesuits were formed in 1535, and uh, by 1975, they had gotten into what they call the justice mode, you know, fighting injustice. Um and also, historically, they have been opposed violently to the Reformation. So they're, they're quite a society unto themselves. Yes. In fact, um, what was part of the reason why the school that's keeping uh, the gay person, what's part of the reason why they said they were doing that? Well, they, they uh, claim that they don't have to follow the archbishop because... They're a Jesuit order. There's nothing about uh, the, the scriptures, you know, the, the archbishop, to back it up a bit, of uh, the Archdiocese of Indianapolis has come out and said that it, it has to deal with Catholic doctrine. In other words, uh, they believe marriage is between a man and a woman, not man and men or women and women. And uh, that was the reasoning for uh, the Archbishop's reasoning for saying, you know, you've got a problem with uh, gay people being married and teaching at the same time that it's incompatible with the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. But the Jesuits say we're about formation of students and we're answerable only to the, the Pope. You can't come and tell us that we we can do as we please. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. What's more important than God is agreeing with the Pope or with the Jesuits? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, 
there's nothing in there about uh, following what the, the doctrine of, of the church or the teaching of the church is in, in this instance uh, about marriage. Now, we may say, well, that's a really a Roman Catholic problem. But in reality, it's also a, a Lutheran problem when we get around to the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. I, I did a little work, and I know you have too, but I, I want to share with you, um, in 1993, the Elka Conference of Bishops, and those are the people who have been elected over uh, the various areas in the ELCA. Here's what they say. We as a conference of bishops of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America recognize that there is basis neither in Scripture nor tradition for the establishment of an official ceremony by this church for the blessing of a homosexual relationship. We therefore do not approve such a ceremony as an official action of this church's ministry. Now, really? Yeah, that was actually adopted in 1993. Whereas um, in 2009, when they agreed to implement homosexual blessings of marriages, uh, they wrote. The Elka commits itself to bear one another's burdens, love the neighbor, and respect the bound consciences of all. Mm. So that means they have no problem with rapists or pedophiles because they have bound consciences in the same area. And this appeared in 2017 in an Elka uh, publication. Too many bumpkins in the pews still aren't knuckling under to our nonstop iron-fisted promotions of sin. So let's True. silence whatever faint voice they do have by packing our synod conventions with more sin-friendly delegates. It worked in 2009. It will work again. Where there's a God-defying will, there's always a God-dishonoring way. Uh, you know, you know the roots of that. I I I say were were formed in the nineties. How so? You know, well, back back in the ninety eight convention that of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we had a resolution uh, that we were against Elka going into open communion. Oh yes, and with uh, other denominations. Yes, nations, reformed denominations, and at the heart of it was. Uh, the article of justification, how one is declared free before God. What did the resolution finally resolve? Well, they, in 98, it called for a study, and we had a formation of, of a delegation of pastors and and such, and seminary professors that met with uh, ELCA for, for the next three years. And uh, at the end of that three years, President Barry came out and at the 2001 convention. I'll just read the portion that really that deals with this is uh, the Senate resolve that we can cannot consider them the ELCA, ELCA, to be an Orthodox Lutheran Church body. 
Yeah, that's a commitment on the part of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, that we no longer recognize uh, ELCA as a Lutheran church body. And it's going to get worse. At the Oregon's Synod Assembly, this is a part of ELCA, they want the adoption of a bylaw that permits congregations to send additional voting members to assemblies who can speak to us about concerns of the queer community. Wow. In other words, they're stacking the deck. We just had an election for the presidency of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and uh, Matthew Harrison was reelected. But every congregation had the opportunity, and it was fairly done. Now, I'm kind of helping out with four congregations right now, but because I'm not there permanent called pastor, I was not permitted to vote. Uh, and, and that was fine. If they don't have a permanent called pastor, I'm an interim pastor at these four congregations. And so the laity did vote. They had a, a vote, but uh, synod's guidelines were followed. Nothing was stacked. It was a fair election. And so we can be sure that the election was uh, God's will in coming to be as it did. But here, right. they're going to be bringing people who are in support of the gay community uh, more than the other delegates. And, and can you imagine what if somebody had suggested that they should have a, a congregation should send additional voting members to assemblies who hold traditional views of marriage and can speak to proper biblical concerns. That thing would fail. Uh, oh, of course it would. I think, in fact, uh, the question that I formulated is, what are your core values? What, where is your value system based upon? Yes. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a fair question to be asked? It absolutely is. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, the reason we're doing this is we're not criticizing all the people in Elka. I've got relatives in Elka who are fine Christians, but they seem to be unaware of what's happening in their church when I talk to them. And one of the things that they're unaware of is the uh, homosexual movement. They did a recent study, and only 22% of the Elka membership wanted to authorize homosexual unions. And yet it is being done. In fact, I'll tell you, here's one from one of their areas that they want to be part of the National Assembly and vote on it. It's from the New England Synod. They're memorial. They're sending to the Elka Christian Churchwide Assembly <laughs> to initiate a process to amend the phrase bring all people to faith in Christ in order to achieve greater consonance with both our understanding of Christian witness and sensitivity to our interfaith context. So they want to change the purpose of ELCA to bring all people to faith in Christ. Why are they doing that? Because... They're teaching universalism. There is no hell. Missionaries don't seek to convert the lost. 
And so they need to remove the phrase, bring all people to faith in Christ, because they believe that people of other religions are going to get upset if they continue to do that. One thing we need to alert our listeners to is, what do you mean by universalism? Yeah, go ahead. Well, that that basically is a term that we use that that you believe that there's many ways in which to find your your way to God or to, to heaven, whether it's Hindu, whether it's Muslim, whether it's uh, uh, any type of Buddhist, you you name it, uh, and that Christ isn't the only way. Yes. It's a view that God comes in different forms. It doesn't matter what form of God that you're worshiping. As long as you're sincere, then you'll be saved. And as a Christian, that's very incompatible because you go to Matthew 28. We've got it right there where Jesus says, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Exactly. so there you've got it right from Jesus himself. That we are to teach about the death and resurrection and, and life of Jesus and how he's brought salvation for us. You know what uh, bothers me about this school that is going to permit the uh, gay person to remain married and continue to be a teacher at a Roman Catholic school? I, I just don't understand how people don't recognize that an unrepentant homosexual is in support of pedophilia. And what I mean by that, Jesus says, whoever offends one of these little ones, it'd be better he be drowned in the deepest sea. And that offense means causing them to sin. So here's a school that's allowing a gay couple to remain as part of their teaching, they are sending a message to the children that in God's sight, this is okay because we think it's okay. Well, uh, a question I would ask of you that I'm sure is in the minds of many people, does that mean that, that homosexuals can't attend the church? No. We invite anyone to attend the church. The only criterion is that you are a sinner. So if you're a sinner, you can come to the church. But to join the church, in fact, I'm going through with some people right now with adult instruction, teaching them what we believe. And so they're going to make the decision whether they agree with what the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod teaches on the basis of Luther's small catechism, the Book of Concord, etc. And if they agree with that, they can become a member and even take the Lord's Supper. If they disagree with it, then they would not be permitted to take the Lord's Supper, but they could still attend the worship services. And especially in our worship services, we make that confession of sins. I, a poor, miserable sinner, is what God has called sin, not what we have called sin. Yes, it's really important that a church remains strong. The marks of the church, they are not that you have a bunch of Christians meeting in a building. The marks of the church are word and sacrament, which we refer to as the means of grace. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, when you talk about the marks of the church, you, you talk about uh, the word itself, 
baptism, Lord's Supper. Yes. And we, we, we always talk about how they are purely to be taught and purely to be administered. And that means in connection with what God's Word has to say, not how we set up our core values. So let's say you're a pastor of a church and the voters' assembly decide that a lot of their relatives are kind of angry at the church. They're Baptist or maybe Pentecostal or Jehovah Witness. And when they come to the church, you don't let them commune. So the voters' assembly vote to have you commune everybody that comes to the Lord's Supper. How would you respond to that? Well, as a Lutheran pastor, and we do this at the installation of into the congregation when they take over as pastor, that they will follow what the Word of God has to say over and against anything else that's being taught out there. So as a pastor, you would have to say no because there's a variant teaching going on there. Precisely correct. In, In other words, the pastor has to be loyal to God regardless of whether the congregation is loyal to God or not. And it could come to a point where those who are insisting on what we call open communion, which actually hurts people, just read 1 Corinthians 11, some were dying and some were getting sick because of open communion, that the pastor needs to protect those people against that and would refuse to commune those who aren't properly prepared. Yeah, and it, therein lies, you know, our discussion, whether it's ELCA, these Catholic high schools and that, is are their core value systems based upon the Word, or is it based upon some other element of teaching that we have? Well, I'm hearing more and more uh, the, a new meaning of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit, the main job he has is to replace God's law. So that Mm. now, whatever you feel given to you by the Holy Spirit becomes God's will for your life. And and that's why they're not having problem with uh, pedophilia, homosexuality, rape, these kinds of things. You know, really, it comes comes down to, to what we've discussed before, that there's just two major religions in the world, man and God's. Yes. And how do, how, do, how do you square when you say God is according to what the Bible says in, in, in from Genesis to Revelation? Yeah, it's really important to be talking to people of other religions to make that clear. I was just watching recently um, a YouTube thing on the tsunami that hit uh, Sierra Leone, for example. And it's interesting to note that after that occurred, Lutherans went in there to help out the people, teach the message of Jesus Christ, and I believe there was an establishment of three or four more congregations of uh, Lutherans there because of that message. Yeah, we're we're not opposed to going in and relieving and helping the poor like many of the societies in the Roman Catholic Church, but at our basis for it, is is uh, the Bible itself, and we bring with it the gospel message as we as we serve the people. And it is a fact that therefore the third use of the law, which is God's primer for 
helping us to understand what is will, that that's just being disregarded by many of these churches and false pastors. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I would agree with the Archbishop. You know, there's stuff that uh, yeah. we would disagree with him on, but but on this area of same-sex marriage, I would have to agree with him that it's something that the Bible does not speak to. It speaks of marriage to a man and a woman. Yeah, what's happening here is that you're indicating that you really don't care for your neighbor to allow them to live under Satan's way of life because that can lead to eternal hell. We're not going to look at a specific individual and say, you're going to hell. That's a judgment God alone can make. But we certainly can teach that those who are unrepentant in these areas, if they're a member of our church, they need to be excommunicated, which is the grounds for excommunication. Right. And and we're not just saying just only are we zeroing in on the homosexual sins and things of that nature, but sin of any kind that our neighbors are caught into, that, that we need to talk to them about God's love of Jesus Christ and, and that he has through, through, you know, as we repent of our sins, that we are saved through Christ our Lord. Yeah, this past week I was preaching to four congregations, and each one of them, the theme was the same, is that I believe that the devil is using social media to really corrupt a lot of people. Now, I think there's a proper use of social media. For example, if you want to hear about our convention coming up, you'll be able to hear a lot of things. But they're discovering that a lot of youth that use social media are becoming isolated from one another. They're not uh, having conversations with their parents anymore. Their real friends are those online that many of them have never met. And it's really causing some problems in uh, relationships. In fact, I read one good article where Pastor was trying to stay in contact with all of his members through emails. And the article pointed out that if you just have contact with your members with Facebook, emails, etc., you're getting a different view of the member than you would get if you had a face-to-face conversation. Right. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went on a on a uh, Alaskan cruise with with uh, friends of ours, and at the evening, you, you have a large circle table where you'd have up to eight people sitting there. Oh yes. For 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 dinner, and the, the reason for the circle table was so that you engaged in conversation with each other on what you did during the day as you attended various functions. But uh, I got to notice that several of the tables that were obvious families, they were all on their cell phones. They were not talking with one another. Last night, we stopped at McDonald's before we got to the congregation I was preaching at. And uh, four young people walked in, and they sat at a table. And three of them were talking, but one of them was on a cell phone. He wasn't participating in the conversation. I don't know what he was doing on the cell phone but he didn't say one word at the time I was watching him, and he was so engrossed in his phone. You, you want to really punish a millennial today? Take away their phone. Take their phone. 
they, oh, they'll go crazy. Um, I believe it was Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod had an article that they were checking out how often in a one-hour class in high school uh, students were getting pinged on their phone for something, and it was 30 times an hour. It's, uh, I've had to to delete uh, programs off of my cell phone because, yeah, I get pinged a couple times an hour. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's just it's ridiculous. So we believe, and uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, uh, right now, especially under President Harrison, will stay clear with the Word of God and the proper use of the sacraments. And hopefully, as he has been a sounding voice for the last few years, will continue to be in this country a voice that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has that sometimes is almost all alone in confronting society with the true Word of God. And God be praised. I mean, many of our presidents have uh, of the Senate have upheld that, and it's great that we have one in Matt Harrison who who sees the Bible, not not the culture, as the, as the norm for us to follow. All right, we're going to be off the air tomorrow. Is Open Mic Friday? Maybe you have a question about what Wes and I. Uh, was talking about. We'll be glad to hear from you or anything else. We talked about raising of Lazarus from the dead on Wednesday. Till tomorrow then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.